0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Conversion. B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges today when it comes to sales and marketing. The perpetual need to be creating demand will almost never subside. But with so much noise in the marketplace, how can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Auto Conversion, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our brand new B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at www.autoconversion.net or by texting ACB2B to triple five triple eight. That's That's ACB2B to 555-888. If you aren't growing your business, then your business is shrinking. Get the free guide today. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right. Well, I'm going to say, let's get this uh, dog and pony show started. So Folks, you're, you're tuned in to AC On Air. This is our live weekly webcast on mobility tech and connectivity, how we are connected, and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Today is Wednesday, June 26th. Thank you for joining us. Happy Hump Day and happy Canoe Day. Yes, today is Canoe Day. Um, so if you've got a canoe, you know, get it out and get it in the water today. Um, Believe it or not, this is a relatively new, uh, what do you call these, like, honor, you know, special honor days. Uh, this began in 2007, and since that time, it's become the highlight of every canoe-loving fan each year. You can find activities in all regions of the world, uh, enjoy paddling with new friends. And canoes, obviously, have been a part of our culture for uh, for centuries, in many, in many different cultures, really. So, so happy Canoe Day. I chose that, because why? Because it's related to mobility, so I I have to choose that. Um, You saw me talking with Sean Rains; He's right here. Sean, if you want to say hey.
1: Hey, hello. Glad to be here.
0: It is truly great to have you here. I love the background. Uh, Big city. Looks like you're in your radio uh, radio studio. It's good stuff. And what's with the, um, what do you call it, the dead cat?
1: That's the yeah uh, yeah that's the dead cat. Not that I do, I love cats. I love animals, but this is a microphone dead cat. I didn't make up the term. You asked me about that earlier. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a dead cat. It's for I guess wind noise pop filter kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty stylish. It's got it's very fashionable. You know, fashionable.
1: Yeah, it's not. It. it if you're like um, PETA animal rights, you do not need to throw like. <laughs> ink or something on me. It's completely synthetic. It's not made out of any kind of real, you know, animal or real dead cat. (laughs) Luckily
0: you're protected by the, by the glass here. That's right. (laughs) All right. So folks, uh, if this is your first time here, it is great to have you here for the first time. If you've been here before, then it's great to have you back. Appreciate you taking the time. Maybe you're watching the replay you know, later today or tomorrow or weeks down the road. So glad to have you tune in. And if you are listening on the podcast, shouts out to you, love all of our podcast listeners and and thank you for being a listener. Uh, if you haven't already, if you're a fan, you like what we do, uh, be sure that you are opted in to get our, our SMS alerts. Every week before the show, we send you a link to the YouTube feed and you can have that right on your phone, week in and week out. That's the only one we're going to send Related to the show. So, text the keyword auto converse to 64600. A couple big news items. Let's tap into that. So, and then Sean and I will get talking about those. So, one that caught my eye is Walmart is basically, they say, kickstarting a $1 trillion driverless delivery. Market, So they're getting into, you know, Walmart, obviously huge uh, retailer, distrib- you know, distributorship. So in the logistics business, they have partnered with a um, with a startup, a Silicon Valley startup called Gadic, And they are going to be. How do you put it? They're they're getting into. Um, robo. I don't even know how to put it robo taxis autonomous vehicles to deliver getting into the logistics business so i'm looking at a, a post up here i'm sorry i botched this because i um it caught my eye kind of last minute but they're basically turning to robots and they're investing into this market and i think gadic is a subsidiary it's a division of ford um and ford's mobility services division i mean they they've got their hands in a lot of things so um definitely something to check out. I mean, they're they're testing these autonomous vehicles uh for that, you know, middle of the road. We we talk about autonomous vehicles all the time as far as like drivers driving around the streets, but there's so much autonomous technology going on uh, you know, behind that, really, from from manufacturer to uh warehousing and distribution. And so I'd say it's a one trillion dollar market that Walmart's tapping into, really kickstarting. Um Other, I think, big headline came across is GM announcing they will be introducing 20, yes, 20 new all-electric vehicles by 2023. It's only four years from now, which really um, blows me away. I mean, uh, GM technically introduced the first modern EV car, I think, in 96 that you plug in. And then we know they launched the Chevy Bolt back in uh, twenty uh sixteen, I think it was, so and the bolt what was what was big about that is it had the longest range of any e v car at that time, so clearly g m is not hesitating and knows that all electric vehicles really are where things are headed, and they expect to have twenty new ones uh within twenty by twenty twenty three that 's like four years from now, so pretty crazy. Sean, I'd love to know what you think about that. I mean, we—I know we uh, have lots to talk about in the dealer world, but um, you know, what, what does that mean for you with GM?
1: <clears throat> First, I would say uh, good luck, General Motors. <laughs> um, twenty twenty-three. Just based on timelines, just think about what Tesla's tried to accomplish, right? And uh, with Model Three, um, not even Model Three, all of their production. Um, obviously GM, much bigger company, but they would have to be, uh, pretty far down the pipeline. And maybe they are in terms of development, uh, and tooling within, um, uh, factories, uh, to be making enough cars. So maybe, uh, I guess my questions will, will be answered within a few years, but three years seems like a pretty ambitious goal to have that many electric vehicles, in production and available. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I have been in this for so long, just like you, that I, I love to reserve my right to say, you know what, I'm not sure. And maybe I'll change my mind about it. On the surface right now, I think that's an ambitious goal in three years. Um, perfectly fine with the expansion of electric vehicles. Um, I've actually thought about that would be kind of cool to have a Prius, you know. I do a lot of of in town driving here in the Dallas market, but I'm um, I've never owned a hybrid or electric vehicle, but I I get it. So I think they're I think their timeline's ambitious, and I also think that there's um, there's other competition. There are a lot of other people that won in that marketplace. They're not the only ones that are trying to expand there. Look at what Volkswagen's trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when that electric bus? When I saw the first. Uh, pictures of the new VW electric bus. Have you seen that? I have. I was like, "Oh man, I want one of those. <laughs> I want one." One of my VW buddies uh, in uh, in Washington State said, "When it's ready, man, like buy it from us. We'll ship yeah. it to you." So um, we'll see. I think uh, it's it's interesting. They're going there, and you know, I mean, it's General Motors. They may be saying something to f- figure out how um, the financial world. Uh, responds uh, to that. They could be doing that to also see how competitors respond to that and how the general market responds to that because along with that goal there are also articles like I read this a couple weeks ago um, Jeffrey Schwartz from SureSale which we'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm guessing. But um, he sent me this article on what Bank of America and some other financial analysts have called peak car. I don't know if you read that. It's fascinating Mm -hmm. about what's really been going on with uh, new car sales in 2019. Have we seen the very best that we're going to see in our lifetimes of new car sales in any one given year, which I think is kind of a fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. We don't have to use all of our time to talk about it. but we will absolutely want to pay attention to well, what really happens with new vehicle sales that are, you know, regular, you know, combustion engine vehicles, um, non-electric and electric. Uh, I think it'll be fascinating. I, so I, there are obviously reasons for them to put that out there in the market right now to see what people are saying about it, but <clears throat> we'll see. I think it's an ambitious goal, especially for that manufacturer.
0: Well, they sold 10 million cars in, uh, 2016 so they (laughs) they know how to put a car out there um what strikes me is that
1: those weren't electric cars
0: no they weren't electric cars and that's what strikes me is that uh the sales of evs uh just generally and globally speaking have not lived up to expectations we're not producing and selling as many evs they're not being purchased at the rate that was originally forecast i think it was merrill lynch just slashed their forecast of EV uh, sales uh, across the globe significantly mm. like like 30 to 40 percent for the most part. Um, so for GM to come out, you know, I, I think to your point, a lot of times companies come out with some PR and some big audacious uh, statements to what to, to, it's speculative, right Stir the markets a little bit. Hype yeah. things up. Um, to me, if anything, I mean, they're gonna, they're definitely putting, they're definitely going in this direction, as all automakers really are and have to be. Um, and to me, something like this, what you know, whether they get twenty out or ten, um, it's gonna help. You know, the, it, I think it's gonna help other automakers get over the hump as well, including companies like Tesla, who's always under scrutiny for. <laughs> whether it's gonna make it or not so
1: always uh are people always betting against elon and tesla which um yeah i don't I, I don't know that i put myself in the camp of betting against i mean there are a lot of other smarter people out there that have their opinions on tesla and models like carvana um so i we'll see
0: well i like to root for guys like elon
1: Um, Anybody that says, did you read this? I think this article is uh, maybe just a week old or so. It's pretty fresh. But he was talking about meetings at Tesla. And in general, that um, traditional thinking is that if you were in a meeting that you felt that you brought no value to and there's no reason for you to be in the room, that if you got up and left that meeting, that it's rude. Like it's inconsiderate. Why would you do that? And Elon and the culture at Tesla is more of, uh, we never want your time wasted in a meeting that you don't belong in, that you don't bring value to, like, just, like, be productive. We don't need mm-hmm. to have for the sake of meetings. And I loved that because I wish I could, if I could actually get all the hours, minutes, back, back from all your meetings, from meetings that I've had to participate in that literally felt like it was a huge waste of time, oh, man, that's what I need to do is figure out how to bring that technology to the world. How about we reclaim all of the wasted time that people have taken away from you that you'll never get back because it's your most precious commodity and you can't buy any more
0: of it. Mike, Mike Phillips just tells me to get up and walk out if, you, if you're adding no value. So let's set We've that moved. as a new precedent. Is get, yeah. if, if you're not adding any value, if you're not getting any value, get up and walk out, even if yeah. you have to get fired.
1: Yeah, well, so if, if you can do But see, not everybody's in that position to be able to say, well, hey, if the consequences, I might get my you know job pulled away you know so you do have to i guess either have a lot of courage or uh, enough of a safety net that you, you could actually pull it off but i'm with mike if you're if they're wasting your time you're probably in the wrong place maybe even the wrong company
0: sure you know you were talking about wasting time and getting it back i i find this fascinating the um the captcha technologies where you have to you know, figure out, uh, words, right. Mm-hmm. They give you words and letters and you got to, did you know, do, do you know why that was in, created? Um, no. So the, uh, the guys that created that, they, they wanted to, you know, they had to transcribe books. You I know, mean, when Google started putting all books online and they had to transcribe the books, well, the computers have all these words that they can't figure out. So they, Developed this cap the capture technology to let people transcribe and and figure out the words and so the algorithms once they got once they got an accurate enough on a on a word it couldn't figure out that's how it would it was basically using those what three to five seconds of wasted time that was their premise behind the technology we're gonna we're gonna make that wasted time do something productive and that's what created CAPTCHA. interesting yeah. I love I stuff know. like that. Well, now you know. We like Not to learn here. So we know what a cat, uh, dead cat, we know what a dead cat ah. microphone, <laughs> what's the technical term you said? Dead cat cover?
1: Dead. It's called a dead cat. but
0: It's called a dead cat. But,
1: it, I, but it's uh, all one word. There's no space. Because for those of you that might be like, let's jump on Google and search for a dead cat. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, unless you smash the words together and maybe include microphone, dead cat, right. and then it'll take you right where you want.
0: For and example, Rode.
1: Rode yes. She
0: has one, you said. They do.
1: R-O-D-E, if you're uh, you know audio, video file, or microphones, uh, Rode, R-O-D-E.com, they have under their accessories what they call the dead cat. So I didn't make it up, I promise.
0: So I have Dead nothing cat? Canoe Day and Captcha. Let's get into the fun stuff here. So, Sean Rains, you are the self-proclaimed dealer superhero. And I love the story behind it, but I need you to tell us the story of what is the dealer superhero and why. Mm,
1: Great question. So... There's actually quite a bit of context to it. What you can read online that um, my good friend, Carrie Smith wrote about recently and, and uh, published I actually had somebody call and say, did you write that? Cause it's the way it's worded. It would be strange. I'm like, no, I didn't write that. But I was explaining dealer superhero to Carrie the way that I've explained it to a lot of people. Um, simplistically from a, comic or superhero framework Uh, most people that are into that superhero stuff
0: right familiar
1: with Gotham right Uh, which is pretty much uh, Batman and all of the villains within Batman I think of kind of the industry as um, Gotham and there are times of uh, peace and happiness and uh, yet even at the times where it seems like everything's kind of running well the way that it should uh, depending on how you define that. Um, and yet even in those times there's corruption and there's uh, a certain amount of um, disobedience and uh, willingness by people who I would consider to be the villains uh, within Gotham or in our industry They can take uh, shape in a lot of different forms. Certainly vendors, uh, some can be classified as villains um, uh, Which I the, would
0: say are the exceptions. I think, for the most part, most companies are pretty solid stand-up companies. You might disagree, but I, uh, I think the villainous vendors or companies out there are the exception to the to the norm.
1: I've not done any research to actually, you know, to know what the percentage is. Um, I don't know that I would use the word "most" in describing companies that I think are have no villainous characteristics um um, i i would hope that that's the case um what makes
0: what makes a company i mean a company is not a person right so it's driven by people so what makes in your opinion a company villainous or a bad seed
1: hold that thought and i'll just finish for those that wanted me they probably finished the what's dealer superhero so dealer okay. superhero my idea of having a company that was dealer first in everything that we do that provides only a couple of um of services to dealers and the one that is uh, I suppose most associated with the actual name of the company is the one that 's uh, what what we call surveillance. so I use tools that any dealer actually could go and license these tools. Um, I just pay for them uh, to be um, licensed under my brand, but there are also tools that um, you know most dealers would be like i don 't even know how to use that man.' It's not really intended for them. I don't, I'm not meaning that to disparage dealers whatsoever. But the idea behind Dealer Superhero is could I uh, put together a service that I would go to? And by the way, I'm not trying to build a company that I want to sell to somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to build a company that is for as long as I want to grow it uh, and bring people in who have the same desire to be dealer first. It's can we put together enough uh, tools that we get the insights? Uh, that we can help that dealer do a couple of things, one, raise their own level of accountability. Um, a lot of dealers have the desire to have instant knowledge of whether those any of those vendors are are villains if they 're being taken advantage of, and maybe it 's not they 're taking advantage of it 's just should they be making this investment? A lot of dealers want that knowledge instantaneously, but they bypass uh, a really important thing that dealer superhero uh, wants to bring to them, which is, are you willing to look in the mirror yourself? Are you willing to become accountable in areas that maybe you've you've not wanted to previously? And the reason why that's so important, and it's not a, a dealer that might want to work with, with us and say, we want you to be that. We want you to be our superhero. We want to be able to have you be vigilant in helping us understand these things. They're basically the dealer that says, They're not telling the world maybe, but they would tell me, it's like, Sean, um, we need somebody that will watch out for our best interests. Here's, Here's what we're investing in. Can you do a couple of things with that information? Can you tell us if it's being properly invested, right? Can you tell us and help us and educate us on things that will help us have better quality conversations and stronger relationships with our vendors? We have no interest in coming in and and picking and choosing. As much as for the last 20 plus years, I've been in this part of the car business and I absolutely could cock, you know, load and blast a whole bunch of people for things that I know about them that I have no interest in that, like zero interest. What I want to know is, are you the dealer that might be um, justifiably um, a victim of A, yourself because you have been willing to go to all kinds of conferences and listen to podcasts like this. Maybe you think you learned something from me or from you and yet you haven't executed enough on what you've learned. That may not be your fault. It may just be the fact that your construct in your dealership, the people you have, the process, the structure you have is not capable of allowing you to take all these great things that you learned when 98% of the rest of your leadership team and your, uh, dealership staff are not going to execute against it either because they don't understand it the way you just learned how to understand it or B they're not capable and competent enough to. So there ends up being many different layers of um, accountability that's broken or non-existent that I want to help dealers with that first because it gives me great pleasure to see a dealer raise its entire level of knowledge and understanding of the things that they invest in so that they can become uh, much more efficient in how they interact with the vendors, especially. And when I say vendors, for me, I'm talking about the people that they're spending digital dollars on, right? Everything that they are investing in from whatever falls under the digital marketing umbrella, including websites and all those things. I want them to understand that at a level. Um, I, I want them to understand that at a level that takes them to a personal level of accountability that then makes all of their relationships better. And it also gives them the clear insights of, well, maybe we shouldn't be in this relationship anymore. And then even how to unwind some of that, how to be able to have the right conversations with somebody that you might really like them because it's very possible. In fact, it is uh, on a daily basis. There are dealers that have chosen people to do business with that they really like. I'm no exception to that. I have customers that do business with me because they like me. They trust me. They appreciate me. They've built a relationship with me. But then it's on me to make sure that I also deliver value, not just friendship. Mm -hmm. So I want dealers to understand. It's fine if you made decisions to do business Mm -hmm. with people based on that alone. I trust them. I'm a friend of them. It's great. But it's still on that person that you've given business to. To not just deliver you friendship, but to deliver you value. And when they haven't done that, you also, I love to help a dealer understand. Sometimes you got to make business decisions that are absolutely, totally different than personal decisions. And when you have the right relationships, you can actually tell people, there's nothing personal. I love you. We're still going to go grab a beer. We're still going to go do whatever. But from a business perspective, here's what I've learned, you know your company, I pay to do this for me. I need this to have happen. You say you're amazing or one of the best at it, but this is actually reality. And now I know this. Can you improve that? If you can, then let's keep rolling. Um, Here's what I think you might want to work on, right? When the dealer is actually saying, I would like to see these improvements within what you're doing for me with paid search campaigns, new cars, used cars, fixed shops, whatever. Great. Absolutely. But if the dealer doesn't do that, then they're reliant on the company yeah, and the, yeah. the, that trust level, right? So it goes in a million different directions. Dealer superhero from a surveillance perspective wants to help dealers that want that. Almost like they have a secret weapon of the, the company that can help them translate what's really happening, understand it so that they are willing to say, we're going to be accountable. And we know that by doing that, it's going to unleash our ability to have much better relationships and also know if you're getting the value that you expect because your expectations and then reality are often way, way off uh, your accountability starts first. Then you can go and hold your vendors accountable in a way that protects relationships, hopefully, or allows you to make a very clear business decision of maybe it's time to try somebody else.
0: I don't think I could summarize. I'm, I'm going to summarize what you said. Um, I just want uh, everyone, I want you to know we're at the bottom of the hour here. And normally, I like to end the show at the bottom of the hour, but I want to get a little bit uh, deeper in here with, with Sean. If I were to summarize what you said, is there's a lot of bad shit out there, and and you're and you want to be very intentional that that dealers can perform well, dealers can do well, and you're one of the good guys, and that's what Dealer Superhero is all about. Now, when you were talking, I was thinking of like Sean Welsh, and I know that you recently had a conversation with him, and uh, you know George Nenny, You know, there, there's, I think there's a lack of, oh, but, a, but a, but a, but a need for guys that will, that can get in the trenches, and and what that you guys all say the same thing. There's a lot of waste. There's just a lot of waste and a lot of inefficiency. Now, on the flip side to that is as well-intentioned as you are there's also and i think this is rampant in the industry there is an kind of a hold on to the old mentality i have a colleague i'll leave his name out of it been in the business for a long time recently went and worked for a large auto group and a year later he was out and i was i was floored i what's going on and he said well when you come into an organization that 's been around in this case uh, for over seventy five years, multiple franchises there 's a certain way of doing things and when you try to disrupt that and change that and hold people accountable, people that are that are sitting high and mighty right and got dollars coming in and they, they don 't need to change anything and I think that that 's what you 're up against in general' We're all you 're up against that is is, uh, is they're not most dealers probably don't want to change and there's so many layers also in a dealership, right? So, um, so kudos to you and kudos to those like you. Um, and I'll you know be um, definitely. A, I'm one of those. I don't I don't provide any services for dealers. I try to create conversations and provide information that can be useful for dealers that's what I try to do Mm -hmm. and even that gets rejected by dealers which blows me away like I'm just trying to help you be informed and educated and you don't want that so well hey let
1: me uh, me add a little bit to this Uh, in very um, open fields of grace to beloved car dealers Uh, I love the business I would love to be the drummer in a rock band that plays festivals and I just tour the world. I would love to do that more than what I do, but, uh, that will never going to happen. So the car business, I have so much, uh, compassion for the average dealer as it relates to all these things we talk about in the digital world because of how it started and how it still has a massive, sometimes catastrophic effect on the on a average dealer's, franchise dealer, mostly some in the independent, big independents, but franchise dealer world. And that is the problem in digital started with what I call lead addiction, right? Mm-hmm. So part of what I do, I mean, 50% of my time is spent with a company called Stralid and 50% of my time is really with dealer superhero endeavors. And at Stralid we talk a lot about because they're essentially outsourced BDC services, but with them, we talk a lot about to dealers, like the beginning the, of digital was lead addiction. You start This internet thing came out and you can do what? Oh, we can get leads from these people who are online. Great. Mm-hmm. They all want to be anonymous. They don't uh, like, you know. Um, anybody that's been in it for even 10 years probably understands the beginning really, really well. But the beginning set off a few problems. One is lead addiction. Lead addiction is still a problem today. And if you do not have a um a plan or a process or some things in place to help you through lead addiction it it has catastrophic uh problems that you keep pushing down the road catastrophic problems like as simple as handling your leads is tied to a 20 year old problem
0: 20 year old problem of we want more leads we want more leads more well, leads will solve our problem. You know what comes to mind? I got to say this. You know what comes well, to mind? There's this uh, verb that gets used quite extensively that the industry has jumped on. It's, it's a two-word verb. It's called digital retailing. <laughs> and yeah. what's funny is it's a verb that has been used to identify a, a widget for a website. And every company that has entered in that space has all ended up at the same dead end, which is it's about the process. Mm-hmm. It's everyone they're like, oh, it's it's not about the technology; it's about the process, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm totally with you, man. The word lead, I I say this all the time, even in B2B, not just in in automotive, but in B2B, the word lead is doesn't actually say anything. I was on a call today with with a uh, um, with a marketer, you know, kind of pitching his saying, and he's like, we're going to drive a bunch of leads. And I was like, well, what's a lead? Like, like what, how do you define a lead? Um, and you're right. People get addicted to the idea that, you know, because someone squeezed their information through a, through a little, um, you know, a little wormhole, right. That the, suddenly becomes a, they're a buyer and that's just, it's just not true. It's mm-hmm. not true. You, you gotta, there's, there's a process, there's a relationship there. Um, so I'm with you, man. And this, we've seen the third party classifieds all flip the script, not selling leads anymore. We're going to get you website traffic and BDP traffic and showroom traffic. And we're going to show you how it all works, except we can't. So we need some thing called attribution. So we need some attribution to show how it all works. And what are we finding out? It's just, just a bunch of waste. <laughs>
1: So you just mentioned a bunch of things that are all relative to um, pro- not solving the process part of lead handling the yes. right way. Yes. And we, when I say all of these other things that have uh, manifested themselves as a result of lead addiction and then not properly handling leads and your addiction to it, think about it attribution certainly is relative to that because we need to be able to really answer it. Before attribution, it was big data. We're going to learn so much from big data. Then we can pinpoint it, right? Then we got it. Digital retailing. Well, people just, they want to have the full experience of buying the car online. Well, we've been trying that for a long time, right? Cars Direct started with that was going to be the type of model originally for Cars Direct before they went to Cars Direct Connect, which was then more of a lead providing model. That was a company that Reynolds worked with when I first started. We didn't just do the Microsoft CarPoint thing. Cars Direct became another company we were involved with. And they did did really good things. It was an interesting business model. They lost a lot of money at first, and then they started figuring it out. But let me propose this to you as well. Lead addiction and the failure to properly handle leads, which is still going on today, not only introduces this, hey, we should have more analytics models and more attribution models to understand all these things. But why do you think we have programs for dealers, managed programs for dealers, where the choices are essentially made for them, pick from the list, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that is sold to dealers as it's better. And in some cases, you could argue that it is better, that choose from these pre-selected choices in the program and it's simplified for you. Lots of things are simplified. That is also relative to Manufacturers saying our dealers are terrible at answering leads in a timely manner. Our dealers are terrible at written communication. Our dealers are terrible. It all goes back to lead handling. So you could make the argument that part of the reason for programs to exist was partially due to poor lead handling, Mm -hmm. right? Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
1: we can help you with that. We can help bring in all of these processes and regulation and maybe that's the wrong word but we can bring some structure to that which is of course appealing if you're the oem you want that you you, that's what they're desiring from that it comes with also some unintended uh, consequences but there are so many things that are tied to poor lead handling and lead addiction
0: the conundrum of automotive auto retail unlike say a franchise restaurant like mcdonald's because because the the typical franchise you want the same experience no matter where you go in fact, I think you get annoyed when you go into you know a starbucks or a or a jim wherever you go and you don 't get the same experience but with car dealers because they are an independent operation serving under a franchise, the OEMs have a vested interest for their brand right and and there 's just these there 's these these gaping holes here 's what i 'd like to do we can 't keep going down this rabbit hole because we got to wrap up and there's a couple other things I wanted to bring up. Okay. Um, but what I do want to just kind of put you on the spot and say, you know, we want to have these conversations more frequently up here. And so, and we have a, we have the place to do that because this show again, it's typically 30 minutes once a week. And we really like to focus on mobility technology and, and the industry kind of from a higher level and we're getting into the granular here a couple comments came out from uh from viewers while we were talking i think earlier uh mike said vendors are sometimes like if the riddler and the joker teamed up sometimes <laughs> i think he uh speaking to the uh the superhero language um what else uh, what we really need is a good dashboard to be able to easily display this info quote unquote laugh out loud um good stuff um like i said sean we could talk about this for a long time um and we will let's talk about this more um in the right in the right format
1: yeah oh i could i could i could unpack the whole riddler and joker combined uh
0: I'm not going to do that, but uh, <laughs> well, you've got yeah. some fans out there. They're uh, they're they're tuning in. So
1: you I'm have sure. some people. Let's just say that I'll just leave it at this, and then we can pick up this conversation later. Let's just say that the Riddler and Joker were in on something together, and let's just say that the Joker um, was working for the Riddler, and let's just say that the Riddler was so massive and so big, but didn't do any of his shenanigans himself. That he used subordinates or minions to do those things. Well, there's a whole big layer of that type of stuff that's been going on in the industry for a long time. It's kind of, it's fascinating and it's also, um, repulsive, uh, when you get right down to brass tacks. Some of the things that I'll be talking about more publicly, um, in, uh, the continuation of 2019, um, you know, stuff that's, um, where you have to be dangerous, uh, but dis- disciplined.
0: Well, it's a net. I think it's natural. There's good and bad out there. That's just part of life. For sure. Absolutely. Absolute.
1: In all uh, things in all of these things, in all things.
0: for and, sure. And uh, Sean's one of the good guys. I like to think I'm one of the good guys, even though not everybody would agree. I try to be a good guy. Speaking of good guys, if I could, I'm going to share my screen. Uh, so last week I was out at the auto CX summit the a 15th annual auto consumer experience summit with Mike Carrera shouts out, Mike, the car guy, Carrera. He helped me with some interviews. He helped me with some camera work. We did this show last week at, at a little bit later than usual, but we did that from the end of the summit. The auto CX summit is a, is basically a one and a half day summit and check out some of the, um, the presenters that were there, okay. You had some. You had some manufacturers there. Uh, there was a company called Xander, which is a uh, a formulation of five different subsidiaries of AT and So AT and we think of as one company, but it has, you know, analytics and data and consumer experience. So Sean, you had asked me, was it really about consumer experience? And here's what I here's here's why I brought this up. Every conference, even this one, wants to have a dealer presence. You know, they want to get dealers there, and you can see some of the people that were here. Um, now, Brian Allen, who used to be with Galpin, is now with Higher Car, um, but he comes from the from the dealer, the dealer side of things. I think, um, yeah, Garth Blumenthal was there, so you can see on the list here. There's there there was some uh, dealer group representatives there. All the t- all the content here, what is about the highest level content that i've been that i've witnessed including jd power i would say this was higher level these are the companies there are mobility companies and tech companies and data companies coming out of the woodwork that have all been in like incubus status for the past 5 plus years and now they're all converging and um and integrating with each other and so i think we are truly at the the convergence of we have the, the automotive, the traditional automotive industry, the auto retail industry, the franchise dealer industry right now is converging with big tech and mobility. Um, and it's all becoming kind of one, it's becoming one thing in a way, data technology, autonomous, you know, um, electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, it's it's just all converging. And so, Mike Carrera, he had said, he's like, I don't know how any of this translates down to the dealer level, right? Here's you and I talking about processing leads and lead addiction, right? (laughs) Converting on the website. And here's all this like super high tech stuff that's, it is going, it is affecting dealers today, but even more so in the future. So here's why I bring this up. I always say that, the challenge that a dealer has, meaning the principal, the, the, the owners and the operators of dealerships, the challenge they have is they have to keep their eye on the short term, right? They live in a month-to-month world that's mandated by the OEMs. Uh, they mm-hmm. got to keep an eye on the seasons, right? Seasonal sales. Uh, it's a, there's many different businesses inside of a dealership. And that's what they have to, they have to keep focused on the short term. But they also have to see the long term. They have to see where all this is headed. Because I think a dealer is at risk of driving himself off a cliff. <laughs> and uh, one of the presenters, uh, he, brought up, he brought up a good point. He says, you know, I hear that a lot of times that dealers in the auto industry are always behind the curve with technology and, and trends and whatnot. He said the challenge that dealers have is that the experimenting and the testing that they have to do is on their own dime. So they have to take the risk of investing and trying new things out knowing that it could likely fail, and they still have to have a profitable business every month too and every quarter. It's a real unique challenge for dealers. So I say all that because the AutoCX Summit, I think dealers need to be there, even though it's a a dive into the really high-tech underpinnings of technology and data today as it pertains to mobility and automotive. And I think the, the farther a dealer can see what's going on and the deeper they can see. Um, I think that'll allow them to make the right maneuvers that they need to, uh, the tactical maneuvers that they need to. And with that, I'll let you have the final word.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for sharing that part. I'm, now I understand why you wanted to kind of wait and, and, and share that from a, customer or consumer experience standpoint, I think that it's fascinating uh, that some people want to oversimplify CX. Uh, you can talk about it from the standpoint of as a website provider, is what's the experience that you're providing? Are you trying to put people into a conversion path that makes sense and improves conversion rates at the website level, consumer experience? You can talk about this also from an omni-channel perspective, right? Are you really actually hitting... The omni-channel marks the way you should. Do you even understand that? And, and um, I don't think we do a good enough job in our industry. Those of us that are comfortable with a lot of the technology uh, topics that some are temporary, some stick around for a long time. I don't think we're a good. We do a good job of uh, helping dealers uh, into that place. So it sounds like that conference is uh, does have some high-level stuff, but it sounds like a good idea. And I think that's it really important because the consumer experience uh, uh, can be defined by the person that uh, text messages you. It could Mm -hmm. be by the person that decides to engage you on Facebook messenger. If you're there uh, on the phone, uh, walking through your door uh, sending an email and sitting there and waiting to see how well you handle that calling you on the phone. There are all of these different facets. It's not uh, without complexity. I say this a lot to dealers. Um, it is not easier to sell a car in the internet age than it was before the internet existed. And it's not just the internet. It's all the other emerging technologies relative to mobility for sure that have uh, put layers of complexity. And does it save time? Are there efficiencies? Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of good. I'm not saying this as a pessimist. I'm saying this though, as a realist, if you think that it's easier um, then you're probably sitting back on your heels, your hands are not on the steering wheel. And the wrong people have their hands on the steering wheel. So I'm a big fan of what you're advocating. Have people like jump in, and if you need somebody to help you translate some of it, um, that's okay. Find your trust network and get into these topics around CX and what's really happening with digital retailing. Do you need it? Um, b- big fan of all of it. So thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your recap of that.
0: Well, thank you, man. I'm uh, like yourself. I'm passionate about the industry. I you know i been in it for 20 years and. Uh, I've, I I've personally came in when the internet was just really breaking in to the auto industry. So I don't have maybe that pre-internet legacy of the industry, but I've certainly seen echoes of it over time. Here we are 20 years later and those echoes run deep. They really do run deep, but the, you know, it is really transforming right before our eyes. And I, I'm excited to be a part of that. And uh, you know, that's why I like to, you know, I, I just want to have conversations about it, meaningful ones that people can listen to, participate in and take home and do something about. Um, So great to have you part of that as well, my friend.
1: Again, thanks for having me.
0: Well, folks, today's show brought to you by Flick Fusion. And tomorrow, I have a really cool event tomorrow lined up as part of the Video Marketing for Auto Retail Webcast Series. Uh, 2 o'clock Central, we will go live. So if you're not subscribed to the Auto Conversion YouTube channel, make sure you are. You can also register for this and participate in the Q&A as a, as a standard webinar as well. But I have the founder and owner of Atlanta Business Video, Megan Roberge, coming on. And we're going to get it, we're going to look at some of the video trends that she is tapping into with businesses, both retail and B2B, as well. And we're gonna get into kind of uh, the uh, the process, the pre-production and the live production and the post-production production aspect. You know, video is a is a diverse, it's a it's a complicated medium for businesses, and there's a lot to it. So that's what we're gonna get into tomorrow. So I'm gonna put the link in the show notes to this page that I'm sharing right here. You can also go to autoconversion.net, look under webcast, auto retail, and choose video marketing and get yourself registered. By doing so, you will receive an invite to our brand new Slack network. Slack is basically a knowledge base and a community that we launched last year and kept it very uh, private and inner circle, but we're now opening that up to all registered members. So uh, it's a great new forum to get involved with related to mobility and b2b marketing and for automotive as well so uh, register look for that invite to slack as well and as i mentioned today's show is brought to you by flick fusion we are rolling out our uh, video marketing for auto retail uh, educational series and so there's a series of blog posts on the site that you can uh, there's a video on each of them and if you register for that uh, webcast series that I just mentioned, you'll get a link to a page that has all 12 videos, instructional videos within that series for you to check out, featuring uh, Tim James from fusion. So, be sure to do that. Uh, thanks again, Sean Rain. Thank you for those that are watching. Ryan Girardi here, AC on Air. We are live every, pretty much every Wednesday. Next week, I have my co-host coming back on Terry Lancaster. Uh, and a special guest, and it'll be a 4th of July, an Independence Day celebration. Really, it'll still be on Wednesday the 3rd, but we'll be celebrating Independence Day for that. Um, With that, I'm going to go ahead and start shutting down. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Remember to text the keyword AUTOCONVERSE to 64600 to get uh, the show sent to you on your phone every week as well. Take care, everyone.